the Rainmaker Evolution to increase freedom, create momentum, and embrace simplicity in your financial services practice. You're listening to the Rainmaker Evolution podcast with Joel Johnson, certified financial planner, co-founder of Johnson Brunetti, author of The Money Map, and leader of the Rainmaker Evolution Mastermind Group. And now, here's Joel. Hello, this is Joel Johnson, and this is another Rainmaker Evolution podcast. And I'm excited about this podcast. What we're going to be talking about is leadership, management, and culture uh, on this podcast. I have uh, one of my key leaders of the company, Lori Tobias, with me. Uh, Before we get into things, I want to just uh, do our normal compliance uh, little disclosure here. Um, Please uh, run anything that we say before you put it into action through your compliance departments, your compliance attorneys. You are responsible for your own compliance, neither Rainmaker Evolution, LLC, or Advisors Excel is responsible for anything said uh, on this podcast at all that you implement and get into trouble for. You are completely responsible for your own compliance. Um, With that said, um, uh, as you know, Johnson Brunetti, we have uh, six advisors, six, seven advisors if you count me now, and 23 total employees. We continue to grow. And uh, while we're growing, uh, Mike Meek came in a few years back and set up a leadership structure at our company and really changed the culture or helped change the culture of our company. Um, I think the culture reflects a little bit of my leadership style and my values, um, but also certainly um, because of how I try to lead and manage the company, it also reflects the personalities and leadership of other people on the key leadership team. So with me here is Lori Tobias. She is my marketing director. Uh, It's a key role in the company. Um, She's one of my key Uh, top three people at the company, and we're going to have a good discussion on leadership, management, culture, all kinds of things that go along with that. So with that said, um, Lori, I want you to introduce yourself and tell us who is Lori Tobias. Okay, thank you. Um, Thank you, Joel, for inviting me to be in on this podcast. So Lori Tobias, um, I am the Director of Marketing at Johnson Brunetti, and that role has evolved to being part of the leadership team as well as overseeing our appointment setting area and our director of first impressions, the front office when you come in. So I have a significant part of the company that I get to kind of oversee and guide and give input and direction on. Um, As far as my background, I am a mom. I have three kids. My oldest is just graduated last year from University of Maryland. I have a daughter who is a junior in college at University of New Hampshire, and my youngest is a freshman in high school. So I have three kids. My background, um, before I came back to Johnson Burnetti, I was doing some marketing consulting. And prior to that, years ago, um, I took a few years off to kind of be home with my kids. And then I worked at Fidelity Investments in their advertising department and then in their marketing communications department. And how many years were you at Fidelity, Lori? I was at Fidelity almost four years. Okay. And then before that, I was with a direct marketing organization. Okay. And you went to school here in the Northeast? I went to school, yep. I went to undergrad at Pace University in New York for a management information systems degree. Got out, was doing some sales work, and realized what I really loved was marketing. So I went back for my MBA to UMass and got my master's in marketing. And then from there, started at a direct marketing agency. Awesome. And then how did we find you? Tell me about the process, because when you came into the company, 
Um, I was leading the company with Johnson Brunetti. There were two owners, 50-50 yep. partnership. I was kind of running the sales, running around just doing sales and seminars and so on. Nancy was running all the ops. So Nancy uh, found you. How did that happen? To, to um, give us through the process because people are always asking how do we find talent and so on. Okay, so I was, like I said, I was doing some consulting work just part-time, kind of took some time off. My kids were, my older ones were hitting high school age and realized, like, it's time to go back in. College costs are coming up. Um, so I updated my resume, which was a little bit of a challenge because I had taken time off, and how do you build that in? Um, and I just started looking online for jobs, and I found Johnson Brunetti through Indeed.com. So were and you a Meek Graney posting, or were no. you... No, nope, I don't think we were even using Meek Rainey at the time. So we would have been on Career Builder then. Oh, yeah, think, maybe it was Career Builder. I don't think we knew Indeed. Right. I think we it used probably Career was, Builder yeah. or, or Monster.com or something like that. You're right. It probably we would was get, Career Builder. Because we would builder. get barraged with 400 resumes, and people wouldn't even pay attention to what they were sending in and didn't know how to write a cover letter. I would always tell Nancy, write a cover letter. Require a cover letter because that will screen out a whole bunch of people that don't pay attention to what it required. And so it was probably Career Builder. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it was interesting because, when I interviewed, Nancy said she had gotten like 300 resumes and like 40 people wrote cover letters. Okay, and you so were I had one cover of them. letter, yeah. yeah. So, Good. which helped me get my foot in the door. So, Excellent. I met Nancy, then I came back a second time, met Nancy again for a little bit longer interview, and met you. Okay. And so, when you came on board, you came on not as a marketing director, but you came on more as an event planner right. under Nancy running all the seminars and the seminar planning and the mailings and things like that, correct? Correct, yep. I okay. came down to basically assist her with some marketing, but mainly doing events and seminars. And that was what year? That was in 2010. Okay. Because I just hit six years. Today is six years. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. We should probably Thank you. have a cake or something. Oh, that's okay. okay. I'm not, I'm <laughs> You're not, not big on I'm cakes. Not, I'm not good at that kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, today. Yeah. Do you get anything for that? Like, is there extra PTO days or anything? Uh, like nothing. We'll, we'll at five to, years, we we'll get We'll have our to do something. PTO you get days. your max back to, okay, we'll have to figure something out. <laughs> All right, anyways. Um, so, so, 2010, you came in. Yep. And at the end of 2011, then, I bought Nancy out. Yes. And early 2012, Mike Meek came in. And we changed the structure of our company for a, from a hierarchical structure where I was the lead dog, Nancy was under me, you guys reported to Nancy, but there were no departments organized or anything. She sort of controlled everything. And we created a flat organization, and I hate corporate cliches, but yes. we, courted what's, we created what's called a flat organization. Mike Meek came in and helped us do that, where we have what he calls working leaders, and I like to refer to it in the sports world as player coaches, where you have a coach, but he also played on the teams, which you used to see when I was a kid, there were some baseball teams that had player coaches, there were some hockey teams that had player coaches, where a player would also be the coach. So that's kind of what we have at Johnson Brunetti, where um, there's, a, there's a team lead, but there's not this hierarchical structure. I create an environment where anybody can come to me and talk about anything. Uh, they don't have to go through this chain of command. We want to kind of avoid that. But at the same time, there's direct responsibility for certain departments. And Lori heads up the marketing department, which consists of how, how would you describe the different high-level people things that you do at, at, at your job, the, the areas of the company that you touch? Um, well, 
first, so basically the marketing, we always refer to it as the before, right? Because it's all the leads coming in. Yeah. So everything with the radio, the TV, all our seminars, um, any type of mailings we do, any like promotional, we've, we've tried, you know, lots of different postcards and stuff. So all that stuff, I kind of oversee. And then I have three people on my team that depending on what the projects is and their unique abilities and talents, I'll assign one of them to kind of oversee that. And I kind of stay involved in it more on the strategic upper level, make sure it's happening. I'm there for guidance to ask them questions. But most of that stuff, um, having one of them kind of take ownership of, so to say, to okay. run with. So it's you and three people on your team. So a total of four. Yep. Those three people, I would say, are full-time equivalents, even though some of them have flex schedules, but the productivity they have would be pretty much full-time equivalents, the amount of work they push through, even though some of them might only be working 30 hours a week. Yes. They, they, they do an amazing amount of work. They we do. also outsource some things. We have a, we have a, uh, a, a, um, a website go-to person yep. um, when we need la- ma- named Lee Ming, who's a contract worker yep. that will adjust things quickly for Lori. Um, we have uh, She's great. Salesforce consultants on call right. that we yep. obtain. And so there's a pretty big, bubbling, busy marketing department here. Yes. It, it's very big, the amount of work that we push through. Okay. So we've described the company. Yep. We've described how we're set up and so on. Let's talk a little bit about leadership management and, uh, and culture. So what would you, how would you describe the management style that you experienced at Fidelity? Talk about the size of the team that you were on or the group that you were in, the management style, and what you know now, looking back at how they manage things. How would you describe that or how would you frame it just so advisors that have really kind of, you know, we're all kind of solo cowboys here. Um, a lot of us were never in a big corporate background like you and Doug were. How would you describe that? Help us frame that because there's things we can learn from that. Right. Sometimes we mock that. We mock that structure, but there's a lot of things we can learn from that structure in our small businesses. So describe a little bit the leadership and management style of Fidelity and how they were set up. Well, Fidelity was all, you know, again, you're in a huge co- corporation, so you have all the leaders from, you know, associate vice president, vice president, director, you know, managers, all the way down. So it was very, you know, structured, high le- hierarchy leveled, yeah. you know, as in most corporations. Um, and you pretty much would not go above, like, any issues, you'd go to your, your manager, the person, director above you. Very rarely would you jump and go above that. And how um, many people were on under your boss, like your 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 peers? How many people were in that group? Um, it really varied. I mean, Fidelity is just constantly changing. Okay. So when I first went in, I think under my boss, there was we had, and I was in the ad agency at the time. There was a team of about six of us. So six people on a team, right? And your boss at that time. Okay. Um, and then quickly, I was only there probably about a year, and then I got promoted, and then I had like four people under me, but I was still under the same boss. Okay. So it kind of the levels started developing. Then my boss moved into marketing communications. And brought me up to marketing communication. So now, even though I was still with Fidelity, I was on the client side of Fidelity for the ad agency. Okay. Um, and again... How big was that team? That team was about 20 people. Okay. So it sounds like they try to keep the teams between 6 and 20 for... for yeah. Okay. And they, they align things by product. So I was on retirement retail. So I was on retail products for retirement. Okay. 
So, you know, the, the college savings plans was launching at the time, the 529. That was one of the projects I was on. The simple IRA, that was a big project at okay. the time. So you're very aligned by products. So in a big organization like that, you have no idea, like the part of Fidelity that we deal with now, the asset management and custody side, you kind of have no idea what's going on in that part of the company. No. Right? Not at all. Where here at Johnson Brunetti, we try to take people, even the receptionist, and have them sit in on client meetings just so they're aware. That's one of the gifts of being a small company, just so they're aware of what happens in a client meeting and things like that. Well, that's one of the nice things. I think working at a smaller company, you feel like you have a bigger impact. You get to meet the clients. You get to feel like you're doing good. You know, we, at Fidelity, you never met any of the clients, obviously. Yeah. You know, you're just a machine producing stuff out. Here, you, you meet the clients. They show you how appreciative they are. You, you know, I've talked to them on the phone. I see them at our events. It's kind of a, a really good feel. And when we talk about our culture... And what we want, you know, how we want to um, make the clients first, give that a wow experience, and then you see the clients and see their feedback and what they think of the organization. It it just puts a whole different perspective on working for the company. What are some of the things that we can learn from a big organization like Fidelity with twenty thousand employees? That small businesses like the one you joined back in twenty ten are are missing. Um, I think one of the things when you get in a bigger company, like when I was at Fidelity, like the websites and all that, that was the booming. People were developing websites. That was huge. Um, and I think, you know, they had a whole separate division. They know that. So I, I think sometimes we look at, okay, you, br you bring in a person in marketing and they should be the end all and be all. And being in a small company, I think it's important to realize if you have a person that can oversee that, sometimes the best thing is to go find an expert in those areas. So find an outsourced person that's just in charge of the website. Right, to, to, to do it right, because you're not going to get a person that has all those qualifications. Right. But if you have resources that you can pull and use that when you need them, that's very beneficial. Okay, okay. What about the management style there? Was it a, uh, were you scared of management? Was it loose? Was it, um, was it kind of, uh, was there an attitude amongst the employees of management doesn't know anything about what really goes on in the company, sort of a, they're a bunch of idiots. What was the vibe there at Fidelity? Um, you were in the main Boston office, right? I was in the main Boston office, okay. yeah. I was, uh, yeah. Um, the vibe, no. I think people had a lot of respect for it. There was definitely a, um, a lot of political, you know. Okay. The, the corporate politics was huge at Fidelity, of who you would talk to, you know, the hours you were there, who wanted to be seen the most at the office. Yeah. Um, you kind of had all that. I was in a unique situation where my time there, I had two, well, actually three different managers. Um, all of them were awesome managers. And they were all working moms, which at the time when I was at Fidelity, I had two really small kids. Okay. Um, I had a one and a three-year-old. Okay. So they were great, but you could have a manager at Fidelity who was awful. I mean, I had coworkers that, you know, had a manager that was not and very corporate and very, you know, this is the way it's done. This is what we do. Um, so it really varied a lot okay. with the different people. I was very fortunate where I had. But it definitely, leadership came down from the top to the bottom. Did you ever, at your level, meet any of the Johnson family or the, the, the top brass? Or I met his this? daughter. You I met, met the, the, daughter, the daughter, yeah. Okay. At like, but I met the daughter in a room with like 100 people. Okay. okay. You know? 
So they wouldn't walk the floors and say, no. hey, how's it going and what's no, going on? No, definitely not. Okay. You, yeah, it was definitely a very removed okay. thing. You know, they were kind of, the like one time um, Peter Lynch had come to the office for something, yeah. and it was like, you know, the president was walking in. Okay. It was very a celebrity feel okay. for those people. Okay, so it wasn't like a regular dude. He came out. Oh, no, Sunday, definitely yeah. not. Had a cup of coffee with somebody. Yeah. Okay, okay. interesting, interesting. Yeah. So talk a little bit about um, the management style here. How would you describe my management style and be critical if you want to be critical? Okay. My leadership style, my management style, um, and um, and then we'll get into some Q&A about the pros and the cons and so on as you see it, um, both as a team leader, as an employee, and also as a woman in, mm -hmm. in the workforce, right. uh, which I think is important. So let's talk about that kind of stuff. Okay. So I think the management style at when Mike Meeks came in and did our whole structure, um, I think that was great. I, at the time, we didn't have a lot of employees, so I think running sort of a flat we organization. We had about 10. Right. So, so to some people, that's a big organization. Right, but, right. But, but in the, so running how we ran it then as a flat organization, we were probably okay with that because it was 10 people. Right. Um, now, up to 23, I don't think we ever could have continued that way. Yeah. So how Mike structured it, um, I think it's a great, you know, ha by having working leaders, I don't think anyone feels like there's these levels. I think um, everyone feels like they can go and talk to you. You know, that you're very approachable. Me, Joel. Yes. Okay. Joel, yes. That they could go in your office, they could talk to you about something, um, which is great. I mean, with 23 people, even new people that come on board, I don't think feel like, oh, yeah. I have to go through this level to get to that level. Um, I think you're pretty open. You're very open to ideas. Um, and you're very honest with how you want to run the company. You know, when I interview people for positions in here, one of the examples I always give is your wheels on the bus. You want the wheels on the bus to always feel wobbly. You don't want them to fall off. But if somebody right. so wants, we're going at the speed where it's almost the wheels yeah. are wobbling. We're going pretty darn fast. It's about to get out of control. Right. Okay. The and, wheels on the bus. Yeah. And the I wheels will on the wagon. say to people, well, yeah. if you're not comfortable with that, this probably isn't the place for you. Okay. Because we move fast here. We, you know, you have an idea and you want it implemented right away. Yeah. Um, but you make that clear. It isn't like, you know, but you're open to ideas and you're open to talking to people. Um, okay. So I think it's a good, it's a very good open environment where okay. I feel like people feel like they can contribute. Okay, good, good, good. What about um, the way we go about setting goals and communicating goals to the team and, and so on and so forth? Uh, talk, talk a little bit about well, that. Well, I think we're great at communicating goals. I think, we're, you know, we definitely... You know, the beginning of the year, we'll have one of our meetings, and then we usually do our offsite towards the end of the year. And when sometimes the goals aren't defined, but we're definitely letting everybody know we're good at mentioning what the goals are throughout the year, so everybody knows where we are, where we are in the measurement of the goals, and reviewing what the goals are. Um, as far as setting the goals. I think a few years ago we we tried to set it as a group, yep. like in a staff meeting, and again you get you know, 23 people now, that gets kind of hard. So I feel like this year, I know we said it in leadership, yeah. you know, we all had to say, and then we presented it. But again, you did ask for people's input mm -hmm. and you asked how they were feeling about it and if they thought they were attainable. So I feel like people still felt like they could contribute. 
But but it wasn't like up to them to set the goals. Right. Which as we grow and get bigger, I think that's right. You know, you can't right. try to get consensus with twenty three no, people. You can't. We'll be there all day. And we don't want a culture <laughs> where people think they have to get consensus. We want a culture where somebody wants to step out and if they make a mistake, they make a mistake. There's accountability. Yep. Right? Yeah. And and um and if they hit a home run, they hit a home run and they're praised for it. Yes. And um, same thing with goal setting. You know, I think people want to look to their leaders to say, this is where we're going. Get on the bus. Right. Um, so, good. Talk a little bit about culture, uh, Lori. You had some things about culture you wanted to say. Right. Well, our culture here, I think it's a pretty, um, you know, one of the things we strive on is our customers, right? We want them to have the wow experience. And we do that by, you know, you're great at communicating. You know, these are people that are trusting their money to us. Sometimes their life savings. Um, you know, we need to treat them really with respect. We need to get back to them. We're here to help them and serve them. Um, I think that comes across in everything you say, the vivid vision that you did. You know, what what's are the product that we deliver? Confidence, um, someone to talk to, a feeling of security, building the relationship. It's all about that, and I feel like you are great at communicating it, so we do, everyone here knows what, you know, the values are. The culture we want to um, develop is also one that people can approach people. We don't want it to be this, you know, hierarchy, I can't talk to this person. Um, we try to, which sometimes gets hard, you know, eliminate the office gossip. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'm not going to say we don't have it, we definitely have it, but... We try to, you know, people have an issue, work it out. You're adults. Yeah. Um, so those are, are some of the things. We encourage people to take risks. Mm-hmm. I think you're great at that. Um, you know, telling people don't be afraid to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, that's great. The, the speed we move things with. And just when there's an issue, let's resolve it and come up with a solution. You know, that's one of the big things that's different here than at a big company. When there's an issue, it takes forever to resolve issues or if you want to change direction where you're going, it takes forever because there's so many layers to go through. Okay. Where here we can um, act on something so quickly. Great. Good. And then talk about uh, the, um, you know, out of the box thinking. Okay. In, 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 a, a little bit, you know, encouraging. We kind of I like to I like to call it the stir the pot mentality. You know, let's get out of the box. Let's do things differently. Let's try things. Let's. Right. You know, let's uh, kind of shock people a little bit sometimes and, and, um, and things like that. So talk uh, about that a little bit. Um, I think we're really good at that. I think, again, that's your, you know, your entrepreneurial spirit, always looking kind of out of the box. And since you're the, the head leader, that kind of comes through to think out of the box. You know, so often I think people just get tied up in, well, this is what we do and this is how we do it. You know, we've done that this with workshops. Well, what if we tried a workshop? You know, our clients say they like to introduce people to us at a workshop. Let's try a workshop just for clients. Let's try a workshop geared towards a specific subject. If it doesn't work, that's all right. We learned and we grow from there. Um, and I think we do that in not just the marketing, but everything. You know, we're great at trying something. Let's try it for 60 days. Let's try it for 90 days. If it doesn't work, we move on. Um, and... You know, you have the great attitude is you're not going to learn if you don't make mistakes. So you'd say there's not this feeling of, uh, like we were just talking about going into a new territory and trying something on TV and we're going to spend, uh, what do we say, 4000 a month trying yeah. something new on TV yep. and, and we're going to experiment with it. And, uh, you know, so, so let's talk about, let's pretend we've done that. We're sitting here in 90 days and we've got no results from it. We don't think it's working. What would be my attitude? 
towards that at that point? Your attitude would basically be like, all right, we tried it. We invested money. Right. You know, is it worth it to, you know, try for another three months? Are we pulling out too soon? Or, you know, we move on and so, we learned. So I'm not upset. No. Right? I'm not launching a full-scale investigation on who made the mistake and why it didn't work. Nope. We just move on. We just right? learn from it and move right. on. And, and I think that's important as a marketing organization. If we have something of value, then the idea is you shout it from the rooftop so as many people can be helped as they want to be helped. And we want to be always experimenting with new channels, new ideas, and so on, and it's okay to make mistakes. I think, you know, what we see in the small groups and the coaching, Lori, is so many advisors, they expect everything to be a success, and they dwell so much on the negatives. So they'll do a workshop at a location. They didn't get enough clients. You know, they're upset at the advisor that saw the appointments if they have associate advisors. Why didn't they get more clients? You know, they're upset at the restaurant. They're hung up on how many people showed up. They just get all hung up on it instead of just saying, you know, this is what we do, like a big organization like Fidelity or Coca-Cola or somebody like that, Procter & Gamble, they just do tons of stuff, right. and they know that some of it's effective and some of it's not, and that's just part of the deal. And so it's important that uh, small companies, we have that, and the way to have that is to be run efficiently and have the cash flow to be able to experiment. And you don't want to waste money. I'm not saying waste money. But also have the attitude that you want your people trying things and coming up with ideas. And, um, and, you know, we just started a new project where we've assigned one of your team members to treat our introductions and referral business as a totally separate business within the company. And we've given it to her, and she's going to be accountable, and she's going to run it like a little separate business. And she's so excited and, about and it. And she's totally excited yep. about it, right? And it's not going to cost us much extra money. No. And we've got a little board that's going up on the wall. We're going to keep score. we got the advisors competing with each other. She's going to be trying different things. You know, she's not scared to make a mistake because we don't really care. Right. And so if you can create that kind of an atmosphere, I think it's, it's absolutely huge um, in, in a corporation because the only way that, you know, I can run this organization if three years from now, according to our vivid vision, we're going to have 34 employees instead of 23 employees is to, to not have to be paying attention to everything. You know, look at Richard Branson. He has 400 companies, yeah. 140 lawsuits going on at any given time. The guy gets up and he swims for an hour and a half every morning and just, you know, touches base and works on relationships. And he's like as calm as can be. I know somebody that personally knows him, has hung out with him on Necker Island and stuff, and he's running this billion-dollar organization. He's calm as can be. But he's also, you know, this ADD entrepreneur that's excited about things and so on. But how can he do that? It's because he's got people that are willing to just be empowered and do stuff. And he knows that, you know, you don't have to micromanage or take credit for everything. So I think it's really important we establish that in our culture. Yeah, and I think you've done a great job at establishing that. And there are sometimes, like, our, you know, even we'll do a workshop at a new place and emotional reaction takes over. And, you know, you or Eric will be like, I never want to go back to that place. And then we'll get numbers in and it will be like, okay, like numbers right. work. Right. You know, there's, so there's sometimes even with those type, types of things. Good. Good. So talk about a little bit about accountability. How do you keep your team accountable to you? Um, you know, you and I have a marketing meeting every yep. week and we talk about big big schemes, right? We're doing this many workshops, and here's where we should open up new territories. We're opening up a new office. How do we penetrate that new territory, 
radio coverage and things like that, and then you go off and, and you implement and delegate to your team. So how do you structure your team? How do you keep them accountable? What are some of the challenges with that? What are the, some of the challenges with working with my leadership style and then, um, and, and then working with your team to, to deliver results? Talk about that a little bit. Okay, so I think um, as far as working with my team, just as we do our marketing meeting, I do a marketing meeting with my team every week, and we kind of go over our marketing status report. And with you, the meeting is all top-level, strategic thinking, where are we going down the road. With my team, sometimes it involves a little bit of that, of that, but it's a lot of, okay, where are we on this project? Who's t who has time to take on it? Who's doing it? You know, who's studying it? Um, probably the hardest thing that I have with my team, um, and I, I always say this, like, I think I have a great team. I think we work well together. It's cohesive. Um, everyone is willing to help each other out. I, I just think it's an awesome, awesome team. Um, but I think some of the big things are probably the people on my team are a little bit more um, risk aversion than you are. So lots of times it's encouraging them to go take that extra. You can go do this. You can go figure it out. Okay. You know, they like more structure and give me step one, two, and three. Yeah. And I'll be like, well, I'll give you step one and two, but then you think about three. And if two doesn't work, then, you know, come and see me and we'll talk about it. Okay. So I try to give my team guidance. But I don't try to ever micromanage them. And okay. I want them to feel like they can contribute and have input. Have you ever had to pull somebody aside and say, you really dropped the ball here. Let's analyze what happened. And, and, and so it's taught to, to give me an example on how that went. Because that's something where I don't really know that's going on. Yes. Because I've empowered you to run that. And I don't really care to... Right, Get to know all those that. things. So, so talk, give me, maybe you could think of an example and walk Okay, through. so there was an event that happened a few months ago, and there was a couple of things at the event that didn't go as they should have went. Like, we didn't have enough tables set up. We didn't have... So, you know, afterward, like, everything got resolved that day. I don't think you knew anything about it. And then the next day, when I, you know, I kind of regrouped, and I'm like, okay, guys, listen, this, you know, this is what we need to do. And I said, you know, let's a checklist needs to be done before every event. You walk into an event, is this tables there? I mean, it's as basic as counting the tables and chairs. You know, not like, okay, 10 tables, because if it's 10 tables and it's only six chairs at each table and there's supposed to be eight, you're not going to have seats for people. Um, it's walking in and realizing Johnson Brunetti is not spelled Johnson M. Brunetti. It's Johnson Brunetti and telling them to change the sign. Um, so it's just kind of meeting and regrouping and okay. saying, okay, you know, guys, we're a team. And because there was multiple of us there and we all need to be looking out for these things. Um, and it's a learning experience. You know, I try to take some things from you. We're going to learn. We're all going to make mistakes. We're going to learn from our mistakes. We did it. Let's not repeat it. Okay. And uh, that night, were any of them, did any of them realize the mistakes or did you have to point out the mistakes? Um, I did point out the mistakes. Okay. And what was their reaction? Was it defensive? Was it uh, explaining why the mistakes happened? Was it, oh, oh my gosh, let me go fix that? What, what happened? No, it was a little bit, I think, well, we're here at the event, what can we do? Okay. And that's kind of where I said, you know, it doesn't matter. You can fix something five minutes before. Um, did Something I say anything done. that sent somebody outside crying or in the parking lot? Oh, um, not at that event, no. Oh, not at that one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. That has happened before. Has but, it? Okay. Yeah. All right. And so, okay, so then you came back the next day. Yeah, and kind of just regrouped. And uh, talk about a little bit about um, 
you know, when we point out problems that happen that, you know, some people reacting and trying to say, well, this is why it happened, this is why it happened, this is why it happened, and other people that just say, okay, let's make it better. T t tell me a little bit about that. Does that happen much in our company? What, which way um, I think that, you know, that is you Is that more start, of somebody's personality yeah, or is I was that gonna culture? Say, I think you're getting in with personalities. Okay. You have people that are always going to get defensive. You have people that feel like they're victims, yep. right? And then you have people that are like, you know, I'll always kind of look at anybody we have in our company that I meet with, you know, on my team, or even if, you know, sometimes an advisor will come into me with a client issue and just yeah. want to bounce something off. Like, and one of the things I've always learned, like, how coachable is that person, right? Because I think you can coach somebody, but if someone's always going to be a victim or defensive, sometimes that you can change behavior, you can't change personality. Okay. So if you can change how they behave, how they react to something, realizing they may get defensive because that could be their personality, but yeah. then if you can pull them out of there and get them to look at it and realize, like, you're not doing it to pinpoint and, and they can take it and learn and grow from it, it's a great thing. Okay. And I do feel like the people, you know, a lot of people can learn and grow and are coachable, and you're going to have some people that are always going to be more difficult. Okay, great. Lori, is there anything you want to add um, as we sort of start to wrap up here about leadership, management, things that you think are important in an organization? You know, some of the people listening to this podcast have organizations where there's uh, one salesperson, one advisor, and maybe three staff people. Um, other people, you know, have, have big organizations with 15, 20, 25 employees. What can you say if you look back over the last five years um, you know, people look at our growth. We've doubled twice in six years. Um, so, you, you know, they kind of look at that and admire that, and they wonder what the secrets are. And we always talk about there aren't any, really any secrets. But what are some of the keys from a leadership and management standpoint um, that, you can, that you can give if there's two or three main things that you can give uh, people as an employee but as a leader in the company, right? Um, you could you can talk to the other leaders here that are listening to the podcast. Um, I think one of the the things is to have a um, vision for your company, and to really share that vision and make sure the people that you have on staff, whether it's you know two or three or ten or fifteen, are on board with that. Um, because once you get people that aren't on board that are coming in every day just because it's a job and they want a paycheck and they're really not on board with your whole vision. It, it's going to hurt your whole culture. Um, you know, there's always a saying, right, you know, hire, hire slow, fire quickly. Um, and sometimes if you know, like, someone could be, they could do an okay job, but if they're not really good for the company or good for the culture on board with what you're trying to accomplish, they may not be the person for the job. Okay. Good. And I think, and this is another thing I'll, I'll always say, I honestly feel like every person that we have here, which is pretty amazing, um, is here because they really want to be here. They want this company to grow and succeed. Um, and it's huge for them. Good, good. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Lori. Uh, it's been a great podcast. Um, folks, give me your feedback as usual on this podcast. It's been another Rainmaker Evolution podcast about leadership, management, and culture. Hopefully this has been helpful. Um, and um, we will uh, talk to you again next time. Thank you. <laughs>